Truthy, let's talk about Factfulness. Okay, Factfulness. Um, this is a very interesting book because it's a very practical book. Everything in there is real life scenarios, real life cases, and how you can implement it into your own life as well. Like they have a lot of different statistics, and yet when you read it, you're able to somehow put it back into your own life and different circumstances in your life and really um, reflect on your own experiences using this book. Like it's very unique considering how many like statistical data they have on the book. Um, so actually Factfulness talks about 10 human instincts that block us from seeing the world in a very rational way. Um, it's written by Hans, Ola and Anna Rosling. It's a father, son and daughter-in-law. So it's like kind of their life's work and they've been working together to create it. I think like even the way the book is made, it's very interesting to know that, okay, it's not one person's life story, but in fact, it's three people putting their brains together to come up with all of this data and present it in a very user-friendly manner. Um, yeah, today, like I would probably talk about two instincts that I can resonate with the most. So one of it is called the negativity instinct and the other one is the blame instinct. These two, I would say, very much um, re resonate with me because I'm able to see it in my ISEC journey and in my day-to-day -day life. So maybe I can go in a little bit about the negativity instinct. The negativity instinct is talking about how we may see the negative side of things much easier than the positive side of things. The world looks like it's getting worse and worse every day. Right now, everyone is like almost everyone is quarantined at home. Most countries um, are facing like less jobs, people are going out less, there may be lockdowns in some countries, and overall, it does, things don't look positive. But in actuality, when you look at the world from like an outside perspective, let's say some alien has been looking at Earth since like the 1800s, then what they'll see is that Earth has been improving a lot. There have been a lot of different things that have that have gotten better over time. The amount of um, wars have reduced drastically. Um, there are less oil spills, actually. Our technology has improved to the point where we're able to transport oil overseas in a safe manner. Um, some other things is, let's say the price of solar panels have decreased from $66 to $0.6 per cell. So, and like, if you imagine one panel, they have like many different cells in rows and rows. So all of these are kind of like insights that actually the world is getting better and what we see around us is not exactly the truth. Like let's look at the media, for example. The media likes to highlight bad news because good news just doesn't sell that easily. Like who wants to read, oh, the world is great, everything is going fine. No, <laughs> it's, gonna, it's not gonna sell, like it's not gonna be a very interesting piece of article. The negative things are what is eye-catching to all of us and we tend to focus on it more. Even if we're getting feedback from someone, we tend to like skip the positive and say, okay, what, what's the shit that I need to hear right now? We, we ourselves do go into the negative side of things. And like this instinct is there in all humans and it is something that we should probably break and reduce for our own sanity. So mm -hmm. this book tells us to look at three to four different um, areas of how to reduce negativity. So one of it is that, let's say the past may look better than the present, but in reality, it's not. Our grandparents may tell us that, oh, my time was so much better. 
Like we had a beautiful yeah. life. Look at you now with your like nuclear families and like you're not coming to visit us. Like things are so much worse. It's very individualistic. But in reality, there are so many good things that have happened over time. The past looks good, but we forget the pain over time. If you injured yourself, like if you injured your hand a few years ago, today, you're not going to remember the pain. You're just going to remember, oh yeah, I went through it. Like it happened. That's it. If you break your hand tomorrow, it's going to hurt a lot. So <laughs> the past tends to seem very like, very nice, very beautiful, but in reality, it wasn't. And the world is actually getting much and much more better. And yeah, another thing the book talks about is that things, like we can accept that things are bad because sometimes they are. Let's say um, like our current situation, I'm stuck in Vietnam, the virus is you know, spreading all over the world. Things are not good, but they're actually better than the last few diseases we had coming around. The Black Plague, the Spanish flu, all of those had a much higher death toll and they, humans were not as equipped as we are today to deal with those problems. So actually it is bad, this is not the best situation, but it is so much better than what it could have been if we had not improved ourselves. So things can be bad and better at the same time. I think it's really interesting that the fact you kind of mentioned that, oh, humans were so negative. We're, we kind of focus on the negative things, but like, it's really weird when like, you kind of focus on negative things in the present, but when you look back into the past, it's all good things. Mm. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah, like, not, do you I, have any experiences where you felt like that as well? I think, I don't know, uh, like maybe humans are just kind of people who live in the past or whatsoever. It's just because like, we always like, like, like those good memories always kind of linger in our heads or whatsoever. And we kind of compare the past to the present. And because we always remember the good things in the past, uh, the present in contrast, it seems so shitty. <laughs> I'm sorry, Chris, but like, I'm not sure, like, like, it does resonate with me that like, when I look, when I remember the past, like, I remember, oh, going into theme parks, uh, I remember um, me having not a lot of worries or whatever. And now it's like, it's like, oh, I, I have everything, I have coursework, I have a lot of things to manage, everything's falling apart, whatsoever, the world's bad. Like, yeah, I do, I do kind of resonate with that. And I think it's kind of because like we all want to go into like we kind of have like an attachment to the past. Mm. Maybe. Yeah, and I would I'm, say so. Yeah. Not that sure. Yeah. But yeah, are there yeah, is there any reason that you would say that like why why humans are oftentimes so negative? Like is, is there is there anything in the book that or do, do you have personally have any experiences with like having been bring struggling to like overcome the negativity instinct? Or what? I think I'll go with the first thing that you asked first. So I don't remember if the book specifically mentioned anything about this, but generally, you know, having lived 20 years, I do have a theory about this. Um, humans are wired to look at problems and look for problems, I would say. Even back in our like hunting days when we were barely humans, we would have had to have been ready for any problem that shows up, be ready to run away from any predators, be ready to find your breakfast or lunch that's you know running around. And you have to be 
ready for anything good or bad. And I think that does resonate with us even today. So we're primarily like waiting for bad news to come. And when it does, we're like, yeah, see, like I thought so. And yeah, yeah I think this is something that everyone does. And it's just a part of us at this point, to be honest. Mm. Hmm. And what's the second thing you asked? Yeah, do you have like any experiences yourself? Like, do you also resonate like, oh, I'm so negative or? Oh yeah, I'm a naturally pessimistic person. So when yeah. I'm faced with negative things, that it is just like, so much worse and it, it plummets into like being overwhelmed or not being able to focus well because there's just too much on my mind and I'm kind of drained by all of the negativity. And actually one thing I've been doing over the past like year to overcome this is I subscribe to some IG, um, like IG channels that literally put up positive news. Like their sole purpose is to put up good news. And really? I think this really, con like, this really gives me a good balance. And, you know, I'll just be scrolling through IG, seeing all of those negative things, and something will make me smile. It'll make me feel like, okay, it's fine. Like, everything's going to be okay. Yeah, that's one way I do cope with it, actually. It, kind of indirectly. Oh, like, do, do, like, maybe you can recommend some of those IG channels in the chat. <laughs> I, I believe that a lot of us needs a lot of positivity right now. Yeah, so... I personally, oh, it, it's called Global Positive News. Wow. Yeah, this is the only one I remember, like the name. So, yeah, <laughs> you oh, can have a look. I, this is an IG channel. Yeah, yeah, just an IG um, oh. yeah, page. Okay, okay, okay. Like, is this how like, you usually like, stay optimistic, um, even when we kind of are negative by nature? I think so. Like, somehow, <laughs> yes, because this will make me feel like, yeah, like things are fine. It's not all horrible. And yeah, like it's a way for me to get through this actually. So do you have anything like from your experiences to get through like the negative parts of your life? Um, I do have something like, like I can talk about like my usual hobbies, but there is one thing that is quite interesting is that I, um, I have a period where I often watch nihilistic videos. Like there, there's this video where it's, just about okay so basically human like like basically how, how is that like all the things that has happened uh this 20 years um it's just kind of like a very tiny speck it's like very tiny speck um in on earth or whatsoever and for example like I, i've watched a lot of videos where it's just like oh like no matter what you do the earth just doesn't give a fuck about you um yeah and that 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 seems negative at first but there's a twist to it. It's like, um, like if you do not matter to other people, or if you do not matter to like the world in general, or you do not matter to the universe, then you can think of it other ways. Then you can focus on like what matters to you, and what matters to you is the present. What you want? What do you want? To, what you want to do now? Like, there's there's no cost anywhere. Like. Like, it's kind of very nihilistic. It's just kind of like, okay, like, um, everything you do, it does not, it does not, it's not important, it might not be very important to someone else. So you should put your focus back into yourself. Like, what matters to you? What is important to you? And then you do that thing. Yeah, you just say, okay, um, yeah, what is important to you? And then, like, for example, that project you're working on, that hobby you're trying to foster, 
things like that, or your purpose, what you want to achieve in life. This is something that is important to you, and you should focus on what is important to you instead of being very negative or being very worried about like how, yeah, how other, like the negative news all around. Yeah, mm -hmm. those are the times when I feel, okay, everything is negative um, or everything does not cheer me up, does not give me motivation. Yeah, I have mm -hmm. kind of this weird philosophy. Um, <laughs> I'm not sure whether this is like a correct philosophy or not. I don't think there's like a correct or wrong philosophy, but yeah, it's very nihilistic. I wouldn't recommend to all people, but it's just, Kind of my way to do that hmm. like these are very like different ways of us dealing with like the same kind of negativity so i guess like maybe the audience like is there anyone that has tried something to help them combat this anyone in the audience yeah maybe maybe they can <laughs> like we can give them we can give them some time to like type or whatever <laughs> yeah okay. but yeah but i think it's a very interesting topic to how yeah and also i agree with like the hunter gatherings because like everything you, uh, sorry can you repeat your question Shruti? <laughs> <laughs> my question is is there like any negative um instincts or something that you've tried to overcome in your own life and somehow like a way that you've done it yeah right if you if you do not want to type you can just speak dude you don't need to type the more i'm thinking uh oh, you're thinking yeah, right. Give us some, give the, us some enlightenment. That you guys mentioned are the most common one. But I think I think I had a very strong blame instinct. Like Ah, that's the next one. Haha. Because yeah. <laughs> I, I can't I, I can't get over it. So I think maybe you can enlighten us with your solution. Wow, leadership. Okay. Shruti, maybe you can move on yeah. to the blame instinct. You can enlighten us with yes. blame instinct. What is the blame instinct? So the blame instinct is basically the need for us to find a very simple reason as to why something bad happened. Um, so let's say like little kids, it's, I think it's easiest to see in little kids. Like if something happened, they will blame their parents very easily because their parents are the first people they see. Whereas in adults, it's a little more complicated and there are like a lot of different circumstances that we do do this in our life without even noticing. One example that did stick with me from the book is that it's not even about specific people, it's about organizations. So they, like, I would like to go a bit deeper into this example. So UNICEF hired um, some sort of investigator to look into different bits that company, pharmaceutical companies were putting out to produce malaria drugs. And these like malaria drugs were to be sent to Angola for um, their own like usage in Africa. And surprisingly, one, one thing they found out is one of the bids was so much cheaper than the rest. And the initial thought of the people who were researching it is that, oh, they're trying to like cheat this, like cheat UNICEF. They're trying to like rob us by giving like fake numbers, things like that. Mm. But of course, like if they're a nonprofit and the company is looking to invest into these kind of stuff, then they would want to look into this option as well, see what it's about. So they sent one person to the location to check how they're actually manufacturing the drug and what's going on. So this was actually in the Swiss Alps. And um, this person, they went there, they went out, and they were expecting to re be received by like some like really like low quality like experience, like some cheap hotel, 
uh, normal car, things like that. But instead, they were in this luxury hotel with like fancy silk sheets. That seems to be the thing they want to promote in the book. Uh, they also had like limousines and really fancy cars taking them to all of the destinations. So these people were very confused. How can a company that is like giving a value much less than market price be giving us such a good experience? What's going on? So they reached the factory and this is the first question they asked. How are you able to give, um, so how are you able to give us this product in a price that is cheaper than the price of the raw materials? That's how cheap their price was. And everyone was super confused. They had two answers. One is that they started investing into robotics a few years ago. So over time, they reduced the amount of labor they were having in the company, which then led to a lot of optimization and costs. It's more effective with more technology. So everything was more cost effective. The second thing they did is they were smart enough to utilize and invest their money effectively. They had a strategy that the, com the company that they buy the raw materials from gives them 30 days of credit. So basically they only have to pay 30 days after um, the raw materials is sent, turned into the drugs. And UNICEF paid the company three days after they gave the shipment. So apparently there was 26 days in between where they had all of the funds from UNICEF and they decided to invest that, find different ways to invest it. Um, I think they talked about putting it in, hold on a sec, I forgot the word. Okay, so they did okay. invest it in different ways within that 20, oh, interest. Right, see, not a business student. Right, they decided to put it into interest for those 26 days. And of course, it's gonna be a large sum of money, right? So by the time the, the raw material, like those people needed that money, they were able to make some profit and give back the rest. So that actually the cost of their drug turns out to be cheaper than the raw materials itself because they invested their money effectively. And easily any one of us could have blamed that company for cheating UNICEF, cheating this organization that needs people's help the most, things like that. But like just by looking at this, the system that they had in place was in a really good quality to the point where they were able to be successful and there is no one to blame. There's nothing to blame there. It's actually a good thing at the end of the day. Yeah, so this story kind of like sits with me for, like it did like sting me a bit because we all tend to do this, right? Big corporates are bad. Big corporates are like the, like the cause of all problems on earth. I'm an environmental engineering student and I blamed businesses for most of my life for every problem that I saw in the quality of our environment. No, but then, no. Yeah, so this really like changed my perspective. Um, yeah. Oh, that's very interesting. Now, I would like to read a book about how that enterprise works on a side note. <laughs> but yeah, very interesting. Um, like, it's very hard for us to kind of like be not skeptical at times because like, we see something that is not normal. We have a question and it's very hard for us to like, just have like faith or whatever. It's just kind of like, it's also kind of more related into like understanding well, do your research before giving like a judgment mm. or whatsoever. Like what, what, I, what I learned from the story is like, like, because it's very normal for human instinct to be like, what, it's cheaper than the raw materials. How would that do that? Like probably um, like it wouldn't be a good choice. It wouldn't be, yeah. Because <clears throat> I guess okay. we just kind of have this like norm. We kind of, we kind of tend to um, 
look at stuff, look at other companies, look at weird companies from the perspectives that usually apply to us. Or for example, because there are a lot of, there indeed is a lot of companies, there are a lot of frauds out there. So that's why we kind of tend um, to just have a stereotype so mm -hmm. that all of uh, the companies that are cheap, all of the companies that offer cheap uh, charges or whatever, or even like all of the uh, um, people who are, or things that come too easy, people that come too easy, you get skeptical. It's kind of like, yeah, I'm, I'm a kind of person who is like very skeptical. Um, yeah, so it's also, yeah, I think one interesting point is just also like about stereotypes. What do you think of stereotypes, Ruby? I think stereotypes are very easy to fall to, <laughs> but they can really be deceiving. Like, you know that like, um, don't judge a book by its cover, like things like that. They do come from the point that stereotypes are like, should not be taken as the basis of our judgment. Mm. Mm. Yeah, and like, I, I guess a lot of the times is like, the reason why we kind of have stereotypes or the reason why we kind of have like a blame instinct, for example, is mm. because, mm, I think, let me put it that way, it's because like um, when we try to pinpoint someone or we try to blame someone, it's because like we kind of have an insecurity of people not being accountable to their jobs, I would say. Like for example, I often put a blame on some other people because I was expecting that I was, I should like, I should be having this quality, like this quality, and mm -hmm. then um, I was scared that I would have this quality. Or whatsoever. So like it's kind of also related to like how we try to blame someone um, and it's also related to like how we how someone is not doing their job, how someone is not being accountable. Yeah. Mm. So like, I'm I really want to know like or, or for example it's just kind of a weird question I don't I'm, I do not get like if the people do not get my question just ask like, I'm kind of a weird person. Um, yeah, so how do you distinguish uh, a person blaming, putting a blame on another person um, or uh, a person just not being accountable for what he is doing? I think maybe first I start with ISEC context. In ISEC, like, we are an organization where it's never about just two people. There's so many more factors to consider in for every decision and everything that we do. So when we are blaming one person, actually, it may not be that one person. There may be someone else that they're discussing with, something else that is happening, some external factor. All of those would come into place for that thing not going well. And so if we do blame that one person, and I mean, if they like talk back and we have a good feedback situation going on, then most likely we will find the root cause. If not, then things will just go downhill until someone tries to solve it. There is a difference between be holding someone accountable and blaming them. If you're gonna hold someone accountable, you need to give them the chance to speak and give them a chance to explain themselves and also be open to understand what they're saying or at least try to. If you're just gonna blame, you're not gonna listen if you're blaming. You're angry if you're blaming someone. There are a lot of negative emotions rooted into blaming. Whereas if you are truly there to understand the situation better, then your approach will automatically be different and you will be holding them accountable, I would say. Oh, I think, yeah, yeah. 
I think that's well, also. We have a new question from Roy. Okay. Yes. So Roy is asking, so as an Isaacer or as an individual, how can we be factful if we are subject to all these instincts? Like because we often make emotional or unintelligent decisions. Like, mm. Do you have anything to share on this? Uh, I think somehow, like, I think back to the SWOT analysis that all of my, like, future candidates have been doing recently, and that really puts things into perspective. Um, mm. Like, just by doing that with them or analyzing their SWOT analysis, I'm able to see, okay, what was my perception? What is the actual reality? So what is the strengths and weaknesses of what is happening right now? What are the opportunities and threats of what is external? Like, that's one way, like, I can, like, that's, like, an immediate answer that comes to mind. On an individual level, if we're consumed by fake news on social media, and on an ISIC level, if we're, wait, if we're often make emotional and unintelligent decisions. Intelligent decisions. No, right. not data-driven. Yeah. Hmm. I think on an individual level, it would come down to really thinking and processing before we do something. Like take some time to think and don't just react. And in that gap, if you are actually thinking, then you will come up with new insights no matter what. You may be able to be a little more empathetic to the other person and find a different solution mm -hmm. I think for your for problems. Yeah, what yeah about you? I think for me, I think for this question, um, usually it's more on humility, I would say. Like mm -hmm. how do you can, you have, how you can be, humble um it's kind of a great way to solve a lot of the bias and, and that that is how it goes like oftentimes when i get emotional when i start judging people uh, i tell myself that like there is things are always more complex than you see them um like we like this is always something that has been deeply rooted into my mind is that um things are always not what you have seen, like what you see on a surface level. Things are always more complex. There is always a reason behind things happen. Mm -hmm. There is always a reason behind, for example, um, this trigger, or there's always some reason behind this person suddenly coming at you or arguing with you for no reason. Um, perhaps he is having a bad, uh, perhaps he or she is having a bad day. Perhaps um, he, is, he or she is not, thinking clearly and that is fine because we are humans humans sometimes do not think clearly um but the thing is like there's like always there is something that is there's more than meets the eye i would say mm -hmm. to avoid being like too judgmental and to make too rash decisions at times um is to have this mindset to have this mindset of people like to have this mindset is that there is always more to that problem. There's always more things to consider. Um, and obviously that has a very clear disadvantage is that you are all, like me as a person, I do things slowly. Um, I'm oftentimes overcautious. Right. Yeah. yeah, but it is indeed um, a way to kind of remove this bias from myself. Mm. And if you think that like uh, you recognize that you are being emotional, then you should take your time out of yourself to like have some deep breath. I think, I think that deep breaths really help. Yes. Uh, sometimes when I am really uh, angry at things, I would just like play a video on YouTube 
that is about meditation music and I meditate for about 10, 15 minutes. Mm. And after that, um, I think about it on a more deeper level, mm. give some time to myself because that's like oftentimes how I kind of handle arguments mm. uh, with my parents, <laughs> how I handle arguments um, like with my friends or whatsoever. Mm. That's kind of my answer. I'd like to share mine as well. I think yours is very like practical in the sense like, okay, do some meditation, find a way to really relax yourself and yeah. think in a calm way. Like that is a very decent approach. Mine is somehow very like, it's kind of stupid, but it seems to work. So whenever I'm very angry or something, I start doing chores. It's usually washing uh -huh. dishes. I hate washing dishes, but when I'm angry, those dishes are like the best thing to do. I'm just scrubbing, like it's quite repetitive work, so I'm not thinking too much. So my mind is very focused on what I was emotional about. And by the end of washing the dishes, I feel like I would have like reached a point where I'm like, you know what, I'm not angry anymore. There's something else going on. And sometimes I feel happy. Do I break utensils or dishes? I don't break them, Roy. My parents will kill me, okay? I, yeah, will, I don't just, break utensils. There, like, there would be more <laughs> anger in the room if one yeah. breaks utensils. Yeah, yeah. I don't want to add more to the system. <laughs> but somehow this does tend to work. I remember the last time I was very furious on something was probably a few weeks ago. And after three hours, the thing that was making me happy made me very happy at the end. I was so excited. It was the same thing, but I had a completely different perspective. What made me angry, I really changed my mind and it started getting me excited and I wanted to go back to that person, talk to them more about this to have a better outcome. Yeah. Oh, yeah, see, that's, that's, that's another thing that touched upon is that to actively understand, to actively research, to actively talk to the person about, which is something that is, might not be related to, uh, what you were saying, but it's just something that sparked my mind is that how to avoid this bias is also to be active in seeking out the truth. Um, yeah, like, you know that, okay, sometimes that things are some often not what they seem. We often put the blame on others. We need to recognize that this is blaming. And the next step you need to do is always to like find out then, okay, then what is actually happening? What are the facts? Uh, what is the information that you have available? Like, why is the information biased uh, when it came to you? Is it a communication problem? Is it because you are perceiving uh, this situation from a certain lens, a certain angle, and there is another angle that you haven't explored about, then why not explore that? Uh, it will take a lot of time, I would Definitely. say. Definitely, yeah. It will take a lot of time. But I think if we are to take a little bit of time to remove some of the bias that kind of hinders us from doing work uh, for a lot of time, that breaks mm -hmm. bonds, um, that makes teams kind of stolen or whatsoever, then I think it's kind of worth it mm -hmm. to basically talk more, understand, which is something I'm kind of improving from. I'm not known to be really proactive. I just kind of stop at the point where I know, okay, I might, I should not think that. Um, and then I don't proceed. Yeah, this is kind of my problem. So, You're very proactive today. So that's a good thing then. Well, I'm excited to host a book sharing session. Mm. Yeah, so that's why I'm proactive today. But usually in terms of like, for example, dealing with problems and stuff, I could be more proactive, to be honest. Yeah. I think I want to like end this blame instinct by sharing how the book suggests overcoming it. So there are two things that they say. Look for a cause, but not a villain. Don't look for one person that has made this happen 
look for the reason behind why this has happened for any situation, whether it's a conflict with a person or whether it's like some financial loss in an organization. Like look for the cause, the root cause, but not necessarily someone that you can blame because it's so much easier to blame someone than to find out why something happened. And the second thing they say is to really look for a system and not look for a hero. So it's, literally, it's the total opposite. Look for a group of things that have made something good happen instead of looking at one person like God that they fix everything. And somehow this, like I do resonate with this on a very like spiritual or religious level. Um, in like the Hindu religion, there are a lot of different myths and legends that do go around. And usually they fixate it as there are good people and there are bad people. And there are all of these really big books and like mythologies written on how the bad people did something bad and the good people overcame that and saved the day. But there are some authors who really, uh, truly echo, haha, <laughs> nice word. There are some authors who truly def like defy what is conventionally said. There is an author that wrote an entire book on the perspective of the villain. And there, you, they really talk about what happened to that person since their birth, who in their life influenced them to end up as a villain. So all of those different things made me feel like there's, so, there's, there's always a reason behind why something happened or why someone is like that. It's not just that they are like that. And yeah, I really liked that book as well. Um, yeah, I don't think many, in the, many of you in the audience will understand it. Like there's too much Hindu context. Sorry. Oh, you, can't, you, can't, you can't type the book name here. Like <laughs> really? recommend this book to like some of us. Maybe in the next time, read and lead, you can talk about this book. Yes. I forgot the name of the book, surprisingly. Low. Low, take a time. <laughs> yeah, but I, yeah, I do think that it's quite important to like understand the perspective, the context, the context. Mm. I would say. Oh, sorry, I'm just kind of characterizing in my own language. But yeah, mm, I think that's, that is like quite a nice finish to the book of Backfulness. How do we like understand people? How do we overcome our bias by understanding context, finding a system instead of blaming the people? Yeah, that is very productive to me. And I think today overall, we touched on very different things. One was creating innovation in a company to develop it even further and like looking at failing in a very different perspective than what is normally. Like let's say Asian parents, like if you fail, you fail. But this is like, even if you have your failure, there's always something that you can take out of it that you can improve from. And then the second half is very different where it's about um, the instincts that we have that we should probably try to remove from our everyday life just to make it more pleasant. The second book is much more personal. So who would you recommend Factfulness to? Anyone who thinks the world is fucked. Sorry, ah. um, didn't mean to swear, but honestly, anyone who thinks the world is not in a good place, just read it and you'll find, you'll, you'll be surprised. When I was preparing for this podcast, my sister saw me working and she was like, oh, what are you doing, Isaac, again? <laughs> she is anti-Isaac because I put so much time and effort into this. And I told her to sit down and Factfulness has like, I think, I forgot how many questions, but it's, uh, I think 15 to 16 questions that you have to answer. And what I did is I made her do it. I just asked her the question and she answered. And at the end, she was so mind blown by her answers and the reality. She was like, okay, I'm reading this book. Oh, 
the okay. book speaks for itself. I didn't have to. I just made her do the quiz. That's in the book, well, and it sold itself. That is a that is a wonderful pitch right there. <laughs> Thank you. Okay. Thank you for the sales license, Hilda. Yeah, you're you're welcome. You're welcome. Oh, no, no, Hilda. Thank you. <laughs> um, yeah, cool. So, like, I think before, like, that's we overrun for a lot, a <laughs> yeah. lot. Um, but before we kind of sort of end, um, do you guys have any questions? Any questions from the floor? Um, yeah, we shared. We spilled a lot of tea today. We shared a lot of tea. We shared a lot about our personal life today. Aw, Roy says thank you. Thank you for joining, Roy. Thank you for answering. Oh, you are not Hilda. Oh, are you Shweta? Oh, okay. Oh. Ah, oh. okay. Oh, no, no. Any, 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 any questions? Any questions, guys? I think, um, no. I think we can yeah, find it. Yeah, then I hope you guys... Getting late as well. Yeah, I hope you guys understand much more about the two books that we have on hand, understand a little bit about us too. Ah. This yeah. will be the end of the read and lead session. Thank you all for yeah. joining today. Thank you so much for giving your free time to join us today. Yeah, thank it's you. A hectic time. <laughs>